Tonight on This is Vinyl Tap, flee the keepers of the gloom. Winds of Thor are blowing cold. Hoochie coo. A lion standing alone with a tadpole in a jar. In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It is This Is Vinyl Tap time. We're having all kinds of problems recording the intro because (laughs) of uh, the lyrics of Robert Plant. (laughs) (laughs) You may have guessed by now that we are doing an album by Led Zeppelin. Tony, what's a Zeppelin? Uh, It is a dirigible. All right. JM, what's a dirigible? (laughs) Dirigible is an airship filled with gas. Very large, balloon-like, yet cylindrical. Everyone's trying to avoid the word blimp for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I just, when he said filled with gas, I immediately thought of Doug for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, Well, seriously, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very serious album. And uh, we are talking about Led Zeppelin's number five, except it wasn't called number five, which was a pretty big deal. Yep, first one um, that wasn't yeah, called. First well, one that didn't get no number. I te- guess the first one didn't get no number. Well, technically, Ford isn't really Zeppelin four yeah, either. But everybody yeah. Ford it. Yeah. If you leave a void, they're going to put a four on it. That's, That's what right. I always say. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is a uh, this is a very different album than the rest of Led Zeppelin's catalog. Uh, they didn't steal any songs from black uh, blues <laughs> players in the United States. And uh, it's a little less uh, heavy. Um, I'm going to go ahead and ask the guy. Well, first of all, Why don't you introduce take it? a few minutes to think of who picked this album. It What's the name clear. of the album? Oh, the name is uh, House of Houses, Houses of the Holy. Right. Houses of the Holy. Houses of the Holy. And I'm joined tonight by uh, Jonathan J.M. Rowe. Good evening, Tapster. Extraordinary. Unbelievably humble uh, producer can't and the co-host you, you can't wait to talk obviously and the co-host <laughs> is uh tony slagle that's right so we have a we have all of us here tonight for a great great fun time in person in person yeah we're in the vinegar room tonight for the first time in a long time and it's great no i guess the first time since last week <laughs> 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 i forgot about last week already yeah anyway um we're talking about uh, Houses of the Holy 
by the monster band Led Zeppelin. Uh, I gave you a little time to figure out who picked this one. And if you said Jonathan J.M. Rowe, you were correct. Uh, I'm guessing that Doug Cooper would have never picked this album. And I think unlikely that uh, Tony would have picked this until we went through a lot of Led Zeppelin's catalog. (laughs) Um, Jonathan J.M. Rowe, I've got a question uh, directly from Stoner Steve. Dude, why didn't you pick four? (laughs) It is by far the awesomestest Zeppelin of all. Uh, Well, I'm glad you asked there, uh, Doug. That was Stoner Steve, Steve. yeah. (laughs) I think that uh, Led Zeppelin Four is a a fine album. Uh, It's probably been dissected more than just about any other album that they've made. Um, It's got their monster hit, probably their best-known hit, uh, Stairway to Heaven. There are, I'm going to be honest and say there are very few Led Zeppelin albums that I can listen to all the way through. And um, the one that gets close is Led Zeppelin 3. Um, I do like, like I said, I like Led Zeppelin 4, but it's just been played so many times. Like, you know, how many times do you need to hear Black Dog? How many times do you need to hear Stairway to Heaven? You know, uh, when the levee breaks. This album, to me, you kind of touched on it earlier, Doug. It, it's one of their more unusual albums. I, a lot of times when I listen to Led Zeppelin, it seems like they cobble songs <coughs> together and they don't necessarily spend a lot of time like actually structuring the songs or writing the songs out. And I know that this album came from a lot of jams, but I also know that some of the songs were actually well thought out and they didn't come from jams and they did come from uh, people actually spending some time actually structuring the songs so it's a little bit of a departure from that have they've always fascinated me the band um but it's just never been a band that i've loved i never can say i've I've, like i said i've just there's songs of theirs i really really like um i find them to be some of the most amazing musicians in rock um and they're very rarely showy except if you see their live shows, yeah, that's pretty sure. <laughs> they're, they're not but, showy unless they're playing live. <laughs> <laughs> At least, uh, yeah, on record, though, I don't think they're very showy. Um, and they can be some extended jams, but there's just there's not a lot of long-winded jams. It seems like they know when to edit themselves. But, um, again, kind of going back to this, this album, it has some of my favorite songs of theirs, um, you know, I really do like Over the Hills and Far Away quite a bit. I like um, Dire Maker quite a bit. That's not how you say that, Jam. Jam- Jam- Jamaker. Jamaker. Yes, thank you. And I think, that, and I love the Rain song. I think the Rain song is, if it's probably my second favorite song by them, my favorite song by them is, is Cashmere. This album is the only Led Zeppelin album I can actually listen to all the way through. And we've done some of the big folks out there. We've done like, we've done Springsteen, we've done Van Morrison, done Neil Young. But this may be the one of the monsters of rock that we have we haven't tackled. You know, we when, have. I think you forgot Pink Floyd. I think they're kind of. Oh yeah, when, well, Pink when, Floyd. Yeah. When this when 
so after four was released and they were touring, this band was quite possibly the biggest band in the world. Yeah. I mean, they really were. Yeah. Um, they were filling up enormous outdoor stadiums. They were, they were outselling the stones. They were eclipsing Beatles, uh, long-standing Beatles records. Mm-hmm. They were they were monsters. They were monsters. Yeah. Well, this um, is around Goathead Soup time when the uh, Stones were going into their deep hibernation of, uh, I guess it was sort of a, a turd fest. For a while, <laughs> until they got to some girls. And, yeah. Uh, um, they were the monster band of the time. Yeah. The, you know, what's what's kind of interesting to me about listening to this album, and actually, I, it's not that far off that I would have picked this prior to other ones because it sort of hits that, that thing I I like where it's a, kind of a sea change or it's out, it stands out a little bit. It is. Uh, I, I, I will say this, where I differ from JM, is that at one point, all I listened to was Led Zeppelin for about a year and a half. I was a monster Zeppelin fan. Did you used to say Led Zepp? No. <laughs> I used to say getting the lead out. No, I never said that. Um, but uh, I, but it was really their first four albums. And I and I and it, a couple of things. I was really surprised because I have not listened. Well, I listened to them a lot when I was a teenager. I can't remember the last time I sat down and listened to a Led Zeppelin album all the way through. Mm -hmm. This will surprise both of you guys. I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again just for the record. My favorite album of theirs is their first one. Really? Which is about as bluesy as you could get. It is, yeah. And I'm not sure why I like that album so much, other than the fact that it's so it's so dirty sounding and muddy and it fits it fits that kind of I don't know, there's something about it we, that seems But all the things you're saying about that album are things that uh Tony doesn't like. I know, I know. but it's yeah. weird. But I really, really like that album. I love the interplay between Plant and 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 Jimmy Page when they're doing that kind of call and response mm-hmm. with the guitar and the vocals. I don't know. I just really, really like that album. But what I was surprised about when listening to this, because it'd been so long since I'd kind of thought about Zeppelin or put uh, put put anything on about them was how much i know even though i never owned this album i know every song on it and um i mean like the back of my hand it's yeah. it's funny it's it's like when uh i think about when i was younger how many beatles songs i knew having never before i started buying beatles yeah. stuff i knew the words to all the songs yeah. and that's the same thing with this band to a certain extent because you could not you especially in certain parts of the state Dallas Fort Worth where I grew up was one of them I think Austin maybe another one you could not get away from Led Zeppelin they would play twofers um you know yeah. they do getting the lead out and then they play two for two, Tuesdays, two for yeah, Tuesday yeah. they play two Zeppelin songs and uh <laughs> and Zeppelin was like the band for a while and the other thing that surprised me was um this is just me thinking cuz I don't I don't you know um this is a band that's quintessentially a 70s band but by 1971, they'd already released four albums, yeah, so it's yeah. funny to think of them as a quintessential 70s band, because after the fourth Zeppelin album, they took these long periods 
before. I mean, they did release their last. I think I think their last album was released in not an seventy nine. Yeah, seventy nine. So they were a band of the decade. But every album after that Zoso album or Zeppelin Four or whatever had these long gaps between them. Yeah, because they were just raking in the dough. <laughs> Here's an interesting fact. So Zeppelin Four was released in seventy one. In seventy two, they didn't release an album. This one we're talking about yeah, was released in seventy three. We even without an album, because of their first four, they were responsible for eighteen percent of all album sales for Atlantic Records in <laughs> in nineteen seventy two without having an album being released. Eighteen wow. percent of that entire label, and it just throughout the decade it got up to thirty percent of the entire output of that label. Wow. I mean, that tells you what a huge Yeah, they weren't not yeah, they weren't shy about releasing albums at that time either. Well, um Tony, I have a question for you. Uh it's been said that the Beatles owned the 60s and everybody can't wait to tell you that Led Zeppelin owned the 70s in the way the Beatles owned the 60s. Uh-huh. What do you say about that? It's kind of hard to disagree, I think. <laughs> Would you disagree with that, Doug? I don't know. Uh, I don't know the band that you would put there instead of Led Zeppelin. This is going to be so interesting because Tony should not like that first Led Zeppelin <laughs> album at all. No. And I should love Led Zeppelin because they are innovators. It is guitar music. I love guitar albums. If you think about some of the albums I've picked, Stevie Ray, uh, Derek and the Dominoes, and uh, Big Country, it's all guitar albums. Um, and they have the as great a band as anyone. You have perfect musicians. And uh, I never <laughs> put Led Zeppelin on. I never cared to hear it. I have enormous respect for them, but uh, listening to this all all for a couple of weeks now, it's been a chore for me, and yeah. I it can I've I've concentrated on it enough to narrow it down to a couple of things, but I still don't have a complete answer on what is separating me from Led Zeppelin. I I, I don't have. I have not had a desire to listen to this band for a very long time. Unlike other bands that I've listened to as much, if not more, that I still listen to, the Beatles being the prime example, I never get sick of listening. You put a Beatles song on, and I'm not going to get sick of it. Yeah, Zeppelin has never been a band, or hasn't been a band for a while, that I thought, oh, why don't I put that on? But I had, I had for the most part in this album, the opposite effect. It had the opposite effect on me that it did on you, Doug. I enjoyed listening to most of this. I, I enjoyed listening to 80... I'm sorry. I enjoyed listening to 75% of this album <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. Um, it it reminded me how much I liked the band. It reminded me how much I, how much I think... Um, this is going to sound odd, but how underrated I think Plant is in terms of what he can do. A lot of people, you know, I mean, people know yeah. he can sing and screech and stuff. I think this album shows some of the other things he can do he can that people, restraint people and... tend to th not think about. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love uh, 
this i love john paul jones on this album yeah he, he this album's not this album without him he really shines on it I, it'll be interesting to hear jam talk about the pocket because he's not, very very rarely in it <laughs> um he is on a couple of songs but he strays well i think this, that's one of the things i there's a lot of stuff that john paul jones has done since led zeppelin where it's just kind of surprising to me where he pops up and stuff that i really like yeah there's a brian eno album that i like quite a bit that he's on he does the string arrangements for um automatic for the people uh by rem what if there were two side by side in orbit around the ferris sun Ever drum could not describe night swimming. Some of those are just absolutely beautiful. But one of the things that we do need to establish for the benefit of our audience and any new listeners we might have out there is why are we experts on this album? Robert Plant used to live in Austin. That's right. And in fact, I have a funny story about Robert Plant. You have about a quarter of uh, a quarter of a mile from where we are right now at La La's. He spent two hours talking to uh, one of my friends who uh, eventually asked him what he did for a living. <laughs> he said, I'm in a rock band. And he goes, oh, yeah, what, what you want? And he goes, Led Zeppelin. He says, oh, I've heard of them. <laughs> That's, that's and you got. Uh, he think. said that he said that that he was the nicest guy, and he was buying them beers. And, yeah, well, and you got you got to think that that was kind of a breath of fresh air for him. Well, too. I think I think he was enjoying this guy that was oblivious. Yeah. Um, there's one other reason we're in charge before we move on. What's that? There's a song called "Dazed and Confused." Ah. Uh. Been dazed and confused for so long. It's not true. Wanted a woman, never bargained for you. And that was the name of a movie filmed right here in Austin, Texas. Fine. Right. In fact, Fine. the uh, the high school they filmed it in was actually a junior high where I taught. Oh wow! <laughs> I remember them coming in saying, "You got to clean your room because they're filming a movie here this uh, this summer." And someone said, "What's it called?" And they said, "It's called Dazed and Confused." And this this lady in her sixties goes, "Ah." That's a perfect name for a movie filmed here. <laughs> uh, I uh, I have a I have a, a plant story too. Not to make it all about me. Not to steal Jam's thunder, yeah, but Jam, you'll, we'll get back to you. Jam, I don't I, worry. I, uh, I was at the Continental Club years ago seeing a band, and uh, this is when he lived here, and uh, it was the, this opening act was playing, and there were maybe ten people in the bar, maybe eight. And I was leaning up against the side of the bar watching the band play. And this guy comes and stands next to me. And he's kind of nodding his head to the music. He drains his drink, puts it down next to me, and walks out the back door. And before I could register it, I look at this guy standing next to me. He goes, yeah, that was Robert Plant. <laughs> uh, it's just bizarre. But he was so unassuming. And, yeah. I mean, there's pictures of him around town where he took, he'd go in someplace and somebody would jump on him and he'd, they'd take his picture. And he just seemed he seemed like a really nice guy. I think the Continental Club posted pictures of him and... Um, Patty Griffin? Yeah, Patty Griffin uh, during... Uh, 
uh, Halloween doing, giving out trick or treat, uh, candy and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it just, it just seems like, uh, they, the, seems the, like a pretty cool guy. The one that yeah. was here it seems so different than the one you see on, uh, on films. the stage. Yeah. The one strutting across the stage during, uh, the song remains the Wearing same. Wearing a baby kimono. And then, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just, it, they, they, of course. I, I, yeah, that, I can't took, get through if that. If you show. took us when we were in our twenties, you'd find something quite different. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I was pretty noisy and obnoxious then. As, yeah, but as I didn't I wear a silk baby kimono. No. Well, wear is. I mean, <laughs> usually, he just had it draped over his shoulders. So it was. Yeah. I went to a party with a red union suit on. So that's. Uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> oh Lord, I'm not going to get that image out of my head. <laughs> Last thing I want to say about why I, I picked this album. We haven't talked about an album that has the Mellotron on it in a while. Yeah, yeah. this one has. So to get back has to the Mellotron. Mellotron. Yeah, uh, I was happy to see that. Yeah. Well, return uh, of the Mellotron. Where these? Where did this band get its name, Tony? Well, uh, I had always heard a particular story that, uh, until I was started doing research, I found was actually only half of the story. I had always heard that, it, and this is true, that it came from Keith Moon. I had always thought, I had always heard he was talking about the band that ended up being Zeppelin. But what he was actually talking about was he was trying to get essentially what you'd call a super group together. It was John Entwistle and Keith Moon of the Who. It was Jeff Beck on guitar with uh, with Jimmy Page, and then there were a couple of people that they wanted to um, possibly sing for them one of them being uh steve winwood hmm. um and uh and it never came to fruition um uh, but uh at the time i think uh keith moon and his uh drunken glory said if we ever pull this off it's going to go off like a lead balloon and so that name was resurrected later when they were trying to come up with the name for the band and uh the a uh, couple of the other names they were thinking about were the mad dogs which oddly enough was uh, I believe a song and the whoopee cushions. Uh, but uh, according to further legend, Ringo Starr was the one that said, eh, you should go with Led Zeppelin. And they went with Led Zeppelin because Led Zeppelin is a lead balloon. And Peter Grant, who was their manager, told them to take the A out because he didn't yeah. want people to mispronounce it as lead Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. He thought you take the A out, there's no way it's going to not be Led Zeppelin. So that's where it came Which from. Which is one of the unfortunate things in the English language, especially if you ever use a app that <laughs> reads that reads uh, text out loud, they'll always get that wrong. Let's let's go Oh, the, uh, real quick, the other guy they were thinking about singing for that that project was Steve Marriott. Oh really? Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. So I mean, just think of that. Think but, about if that band had happened. Yeah. Now, just real, nothing could have kept it together. <laughs> yeah. A, a brief aside: uh, Page Beck and Moon did record together on uh, for the Beck Bolero. Sixty-six. Yeah. So yeah. there was a kind of a mini version of that, but not a quite. Very, a very famous piece of music that no one really <laughs> likes, but everyone listens to. Yeah. It. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Beck and Page. That gets us kind of to the beginning. What do those two dudes have in common? They played in a band called the Yardbirds, and the Yardbirds' purpose in the world was to 
bring uh, bring us uh, amazing guitarists. I believe <laughs> <laughs> basically uh, hone guitarist skills, but uh, they kind of wanted to be like a a blues band, but they kind of started. Well, that's how they out. got rid of their first uh, guitar uh, player when they stopped being a blues band. Yeah, and that was Mr. Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton. decided. Yeah, he was too uh, too pure for that. Yeah. The funny thing that I didn't know is that when Jimmy Page joined the band, he was he joined as a bassist. That's right, and then so switched there's over. Hope, JM, yeah, <laughs> and then switched over to guitar. Yeah. So God, I mean, that's just incredible. Beck and Page were in the same band together for a while. <laughs> yeah, and nobody knew it was incredible. That's yeah, nobody incredible. knew. Everybody uh, he yeah, started two off of as the greatest a... guitar players in the world, right there yeah. next to each other, and, and one, one of them's playing bass. Yeah, what um, a waste! What a waste of talent. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the Yardbirds disbanded, but Jimmy Page was the only one left, and he was trying to put. They were still booked on tours for scan. They had a Scandinavian Scandinavian tour, tour so yeah. he was looking for a. Uh, a group to back him up and he had played with john paul jones and uh john bonham i believe with on a donovan album they played they were both session musicians that's right. where john paul jones and jimmy page knew each other um and uh at some point it might have been during that session john paul jones went up went up to him and said I don't. If you have any future projects, I want to be yeah. involved in it. He was trying to get together um, to play uh, that Scandinavian um, tour, and uh, and he had uh, he was given the name the Yardbirds he, he, to keep. Right. He, well, there's some there's some conjecture about that. So um, Jim Jim McCarty and Keith Ralph, uh, who were in the Yardbirds with. Um, with uh, Jimmy Page and the bassist Chris Dreja, I think is how you pronounce yeah. his name. Uh, they gave those two gave Page and Dreja the name and told them they could they could books. And when he got the re- when Page started pulling these other players together, Chris J- Dreja left, and so they toured Scandinavia as New Yardbirds. Right. That was the band. When they went into the studio to record as the New Yardbirds, Chris Dreja eh, eh, eh. said, "No, you could only do that <laughs> while you were touring," and he issued a cease or got a yeah. cease and desist letter issued and said you can't do it anymore so that's when they went for this other name led yeah. zeppelin the record company wasn't all that fired up about them having to change their name well i i mean you know the yardbirds sure. were a going concern yep. regardless of how going they were they were going concern i mean that's and the whole reason led they, zeppelin doesn't sound promising yeah well and i you know it's funny because there were bands around that time that were doing similar things iron butterfly where they were doing this whole well, heavy Heavy, heavy thing li- with a light, light thing, yeah. 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 You know, well, Bonham and Bonham and um, and Plant knew each other for a long time. They both right. grew up around the Birmingham area. <laughs> they both played in bands together early on. The first, the first real group Plant was in, though, this is kind of interesting. He was in a band. Uh, he was in a group called Sounds of Blue, and they had a guitarist named Stan Webb, a, p- a piano player named Christine Perfect. Oh, Do you really? Know who that is. Of course, Christine. We'll McVie. be talking about yeah. her in a week. Uh, 
and uh, and Chris Wood from Traffic. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Small world out <laughs> yeah. there. It is. And then one of his other groups, uh, he went after that. He was in a group called the Crawling King Snakes, named after a John Lee Hooker song. Yeah. That was the first band he was in with with Bonham or Bonzo, as they call him. Obviously, that that kind of fell apart, and they would get together later uh, <laughs> to much greater fame. There's this great story that Plant tells about the first time they met. Uh, I guess the Crawling King Snakes are playing, and Bonham, uh, after the show, said. Uh, went up to him and he was acting real cocky and he said, uh, you're pretty good, but you'd be a whole lot better with a drummer like me. <laughs> and, uh, and Pant, Plant instantly took a liking to him. But anyway, he left that band and joined a band called the Tennessee Teens who cha- actually changed their name uh, once he joined to Listen, which is a horrible name, oh. but they were kind of a mod band and they got they got a little bit of success. The reason he left the, uh, the Crawling King Snakes is because he wanted to get something a little bit more commercial. And they were signed to CBS and released a single called You Better Run. But it came out eventually that the CBS was only interested in Robert Plant because he's young, he was good-looking, and he could sing. So they actually pulled him aside and released a single under his name as a pop singer. They were trying to groom him as the mm. next kind of Tom Jones. And he <laughs> he released a song called Our Song, which only sold about a 1,000 copies. <laughs> so... After that, he went back to the band uh, thing, and he joined a, a, a pretty famous Birmingham band that was kind of a mixed uh, race band that played a lot of blues stuff called the the Band of Joy. He ends up leaving that band and taking the name with him. He thought the name, he owned the name. The other band didn't give up the name, so for a while there were two bands of Joy playing around, but the plant version, which was more kind of a hippie, hippie type of harder rock hippie music, uh, they were getting all the attention, so the original band of Joy ended up changing their name to The Good Egg. And then Bonham ends up joining the version of the band of Joy with Plant. And they released a couple of things. They have this really interesting uh, version, and I'll, I'll post it on our website, of uh, them doing, um, for what it's worth, a B- Buffalo Springfield song. And really? It, and it sounds like a kind of an adolescent Zeppelin I mean, there's the, there's some elements there of Zeppelin, but it's huh. like a hard, it's like if Zeppelin had John half Bonham, the talent yeah. <laughs> played a Buffalo Springfield song, yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of an interesting little slice of of history there. Can't imagine um, John Bonham playing on uh, yeah. But anyway, Plant leaves that band and moves to London with this British blues pioneer named Alexis Corner, and uh, and that playing with him is where Page. The legend is that Paige saw him play with that guy and said, oh, okay. Yeah. So um, Paige taps Plant. Plant says, I've got this drummer you need because they were friendly. Mm-hmm. And then Paige, as we already established, uh, knew John Paul Jones as a session player. And just to briefly, not to brush over what he was doing, I mean, that guy was a session guy for DECA. He played on hundreds of recording sessions. He was on, uh, I, you guys probably know this, he did the strings for She's a Rainbow. Yep. by the stones he mm-hmm. was on as you mentioned hurdy gurdy man he was on sunshine superman mellow yellow he worked with cat stevens rod stewart like a bunch Matula of tula clark even yeah, like dusty <laughs> springfield stuff i mean he's all over the place yeah. they knew each other so that was where that kind of group came yeah and became essentially what we knew as the as led Core, zeppelin, led zeppelin. Were, yeah. of course the new yardbirds at that point but then we've already gone over all that yeah. stuff 
more than any band I can think of, Led Zeppelin seemed to start out as a finished product. Uh, and I'm wondering what y'all think about why that would be. You know, you have two session musicians. I think that I think mm. that is something you can't stress enough. Well, I mean, it's like yeah, there's bands that that are like that, like Toto's first album. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't. I, no, I mean, it's a room full of session <laughs> that's musicians. That's a room full of session musicians. They sound well, think, amazing. Point. Think about, I mean, uh, they, they didn't necessarily start as a session band, but they were at the time. Think about Elvis Costello's first album, that band that played with with him. Those guys right. were all yeah. pretty yeah. much session guys. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I think that that foundation mattered. Um, Plant started very young, so he had a whole lot of yeah. confidence. And it sounds like Bonham was born. He came out of the oh, womb yeah, they with just, con- yeah, confidence. talking about he, even when he was, before he could walk, what, what, he was banging on parents, hand. He didn't get his full drums, uh, full drums until he's 15, though. What, but then I heard the guys used to hide some of his drums because they thought he sounded better with less drums. Maybe. I mean, I, I've got a kind of a love-hate relationship with Bonham because, uh, you know, he's obviously knows his way around a set and he was, yeah. and he, and he was influential <clears throat> to a whole lot of people, but I'm not a, necessarily a big fan of his. It's just really kind of bombastic a lot I of times. I wouldn't say that he's one of my... I mean, he's not a drummer that I would seek out to play in my band, but I am always amazed at the stuff. He yeah, I, th- I think he found the right band. No, yeah, he, did. he did. And and to go uh, with it, to put him in another band, I could see a lot of problems with yeah. that. <laughs> and and to and to go with what you said, Doug, I mean that first album comes out in sixty eight, the Zeppelin Led Zeppelin or Zeppelin One, and it it uh hits number six in the UK and number it's a top ten album in the US debut. And, and then it's it's something very new. And yeah. I'm I'm not yeah. gonna say oh it's where did that come from because it's just a lot it's steeped very in the blues yeah very uh, steeped in the blues but it's it's got a heaviness there's something to it. new there that it's, never existed me, before I, I have a question for you guys because this this I'm sitting here wearing an Iron Maiden shirt so I'm gonna talk I'm gonna ask a question <laughs> about heavy metal for a minute is Zeppelin a heavy metal band they're heavy um, I don't think they are lead is heavy. No, I know. Zeppelin, not. They're um, a hard rock band. They don't remind me of heavy yeah, metal. I, would I don't hear all those uh, chromatic yeah, scales and, and stuff. I, I feel, and I know this is a band you don't like, and I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing them talent wise to to get your ire up, uh, Doug. But they were, people classify ACDC as a heavy metal band, and I don't think I they don't are think either. They're, they're a either. hard, hard heavy rock, rock and roll band. They're, but to me, that they're, they're a bunch that, of little demons jumping from rock to rock. <laughs> 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 but I, I feel, I mean, I feel that way about Zeppelin, and it's funny how they're they're. If you look at the uh, family tree from metal, it almost always points to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, but don't you have to bite the head off a bat to? Be <laughs> well, metal? you know what I think it was. Uh, Page was really into the occult. Yeah, and I think that, that whole yeah, that whole thing had, wore those. Yeah, had something to do with it, and people, you know, and the whole back masking thing with their albums and all that nonsense. Yeah, but, you know, one well, of the things to my sweet Satan, his, <laughs> his guitar playing, especially on the first two albums, it, it just almost sounds like a t- the guitar is dripping. I don't know. That's the best way I can... It's just that's, like, a, that's a really good adjective. I, I, I would have I not come up with that word, but it's perfect. I would have said, the thing that always... The, Page always sounds to me as spooky and eerie. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, he does just some spooky guitar... I mean, that's one of the reasons why... I think he's a, a good guitar player, 
but I think he's a very sloppy guitar player, and but that almost is his charm. But if you listen to him, I mean, he's not on the beat a lot of the time. And uh, but the thing that he does, I think, better, and he got better at this as the albums got on. He is a master of layering guitars. Yeah, he is well, so good with, at that. With a very oh, his riffs it, and his he harmony. comes up with little licks that are immediately, uh, and he can do these. Uh, he comes up with riffs, and then he can harmonize on those riffs to kind of, okay, I'm getting tired of this riff. Oh, wait, no, there's a harmony that's coming in on top of that one. I don't want to lay in a whole bunch of stuff that people already know, but I think this is worth mentioning. We were talking about how, you know, coming out of nowhere, but seeming well-formed. So that first album is a top six and a top ten. The next three, or two, Zeppelin Zeppelin two and three, number one, both in the UK and the US. Zeppelin four, oddly enough, did not hit Number one in the U.S. It peaked number one in the U.K. It hit number oh. two. It was kept out of the number one spot by "There's a Riot Going On" by Sly and the Family Stone. <laughs> um, but it's I, still, I bet it's sold more since then. It, it, it is, it's well to, to to that point. It Zeppelin Four is number eleven on the on the top selling albums of all time. time, and that's uh, the 30, 30 million or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a monster. It, it's 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 that weird thing that we've talked about before, where they're they seem so put together, yet they're loose. Yeah, and they can be they can seem like they're and that's the, one the of the right things times. that they don't seem. There's nothing slick about Led Zeppelin. Right, nothing ever slick about them and even the stones got slick at some point and they just they never well and never until <laughs> the, the, zeppelin made it through the disco deal without getting uh tainted didn't they yeah uh, did they yeah maybe yeah i can't uh, think of uh, a time where they went uh too far uh outside of uh a band i love rush there really wasn't another front man singing yeah like plant plant and and I'm not I don't want to compare Getty to Plant because I think Plant's well, a better do have, singer. They both kind of go to histrionic. They do, but I think Plant's a better singer. I love I love Rush. That's for any Rush fan out there. Don't send me letters. Uh, yeah, um, I think but, I hear a lot of people say that Robert Plant was uh, sexy. Well, he was. I don't think Getty well, Lee. I don't hear that about Getty Lee. By the well, way, well, it was. And the one of the funniest things. But if I, they played Dungeons and Dragons, Getty Lee would kick his butt. Yeah. I don't know about that. How many songs did Zeppelin <laughs> write about Tolkien stuff? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, know. I don't think I'm, I was going to say I don't think uh, Rush does has a song have a song called Rivendell, but I don't think they ever use the word Gollum in a song. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, or, I, don't, I, I almost find Robert Plant. I'm, I'm probably we're probably gonna get some emails about this. I find him almost the most ridiculous, one of the more ridiculous rock singers in history. And it's not so much that I think he he, he sings so well, but just he's putting this earnestness behind these just inane lyrics. But there's almost a sense of humor about it, and I think the reason why I can kind of distance myself from his singing versus his lyrics. Is that when you see him interviewed, he doesn't take himself seriously. He's, yeah, he's, he, and I think that has something a lot I, to do with it. Like you never see him like making he a grand seems intro. So different off stage yeah. and all that uh, stuff. Yeah. I, I, something just came to me after what is this our nine hundredth episode we've been doing. <laughs> One of the distinctions between you guys and me is both of you guys, for the most part, know your way around an instrument. And and you can pick up on stuff and probably have for a long time picked up on things. I don't know how to play an instrument, so I always 
default to the singer hmm. before anything else. So I don't think he's one of the more, most more ridiculous rock and roll singers. I love Plant's voice and I love what he does, but it, it, it is funny how I, I think we come at those from different angles because you guys don't necessarily default to the singer. That's the only thing I can do <laughs> and I don't do it well, I th- but I think he's one of the most talented. Uh, I don't know what his range is, but it's, He's got a wide range. He's got great control over his he voice. Does, yeah. He's very expressive. He has an amazing voice. I don't think anybody would want to go up against him in terms of, look what I can do. Maybe Jackie Wilson or something yeah. like that. But there's one thing. He makes lady noises. <laughs> and Well, yeah, that's what I think. He's things- always moaning or yeah, whining or grunting. I love it. And it's, and then you add that to the deal where he's got that hand hanging out there on the side while he's singing. I love it. It's just, it's so effeminate. You know, none of that bothers me. I will, I will say this about him though. Uh, You know, he's not growly or very rarely growly, but what I do like is when my favorite stuff, and we'll get to it when we get to songs and stuff, my favorite stuff, oddly enough, that Plant does is when he gets in that lower register and he's singing, he's not doing the high-pitched screaming. And And he does that more in this album, I think. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I like this album. He does, and he does something with his voice that is very cool. I, I like him. I like him as a singer a lot. I think. But uh, I, I think everybody is with you and, and I, not with, with me on that. No, I, I think he's a. I think he's a great singer. Here's another thing. The last thing I'm going to say about his his singing is, he gets away with singing fewer lyrics than just about that, that's because, anybody. I know Van Morrison no. may rival him, but he But gets, Van Morrison can write a decent lyric. Right. This band, I don't think anybody's going to fall over themselves to defend the lyrics of, of Led Zeppelin. Right. Their lyrics are are not good. They're almost they Maybe you just don't them. understand the significance of a lion with a tadpole in a jar tone. <laughs> um but but you know, going back to something that Doug said at one of the earlier podcasts when we were talking about Siri Vaughn and I asked him the question about lyrics, it, it's almost incidental sometimes with some of this music. What Plant's doing vocally, it, the lyrics are secondary to that. Well, obviously, most people love his voice because they sell gazillions of albums. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good you are. If, if they don't like the voice of the singer, they're not going to do well. And Well, and, and I think yeah. you, you, the other thing you hit on that I think made this, why this band was so popular is they were able to break through that white male barrier and women listened to this band in a way that I think good point. guys didn't, I mean, that women didn't listen to other bands like this. That's a good point. I've talked to more women that say Led Zeppelin is their... I would say more women say that Led Zeppelin is their favorite band than men that I've talked to. That's interesting. Because this this sounds a lot like... Its closest relatives would be bands that all guys like exactly that's but there was something about and it maybe it's a sex appeal of plant i don't know but there's something about this band where they were able to break through that barrier and 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 be uh receptive or have women receptive to what they're doing and prior to this album or maybe prior to four 
it's not like they weren't sort of steeped in some sort of weird right. misogyny either. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the, their lyrics get less and less that, that sort of swagger guy, you know, yeah. thrusting his hip out in your face, uh, yeah. as they go on. And this album in particular is less than that. So it's a weird thing that, uh, that that was attractive, but it was. Maybe it's my high T that prevents me from liking this band. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I want to talk kind of where they were because... They were on top of the world. They were on top of the world. And yeah. so there were two kind of competing things going on in this band's head. One was, how the hell do we follow up what we just did? Mm-hmm. And the other was, wow, we have some freedom to do whatever the hell we want to do. And so I think the latter won out on that because... This album did not get very good reviews when it no, came it out. Didn't. I Just... love I love the Rolling Stone. This is another one of the examples where the Rolling Stones has to apologize later. <laughs> go back yeah. completely. Yeah. It's the first album that is all originals. It's the it's even the f- not a cover that they pretended wasn't a cover. <laughs> right. There is one song that probably could have used them stealing from black musicians, but we'll get there when we get to it. It's them experimenting with with stuff. It's yeah. mellower than their. It's I found it fascinating, Jam, that you said your favorite album by them is three because this is very similar to that. It is. Um. In in its sort of approach to stuff, a lot of these songs were written and recorded. A long time before this album was released, they had a long time to to um, sort of think about what they wanted to do studio wise when they were actually finishing them up. Um, Some of them were played live for a long time before they were ever actually released, but they'd been been recorded already. So it's a unique it's a unique album. Regardless of what the review said, it still was a monster. <laughs> yeah, I hit number one, I believe, in both and again in both the I, UK and the US. But um, this is interesting. And and this, this, there's talent dripping off of this yeah, album. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the 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 review is again, as Doug mentioned, it's another example of Rolling Stone having to go back and and redo history. Um, says. <laughs> Houses of Holy is one of the dullest and most confusing yeah, albums I've ever heard this year, is yeah. what the guy says. He goes, they've involved into a senior safe bizarro perversion band. They're senior safe heavy metal band. I don't have any idea why he says safe. Uh, yeah. I don't hear anything safe. But I love watching Rolling Stones get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, this album did not do well com- uh, critically. What's weird about that is I kept kind of trying to come to terms with why this album felt so Zeppelin-y to me. Because it does. Yeah. It feels very, very Zeppelin-y. Maybe it's because it's a dis- distillation of all those elements of what they were doing on the other albums yeah. in one album. All those little c- things that kind of set them apart on one yeah. album. And there's no covers. The first song... Has the title, it has the word song in the title. The song remains the same. JM, I happen to know that you used to teach young men to play the guitar. (laughs) Is this a song you would pick? To start a young man on? Not to play guitar. No. Let me share something with y'all. I, uh, I've i got the sheet music here. Um, 
play this song, you will need to play 28 different chords. <laughs> I have never, ever seen a song with 28 chords. So, J.M., we're dealing with some very, very uh, complicated tunes here, especially yep. this one. And uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, but this album doesn't sound muddled. It, it's clear. Yeah, and he's got so many guitars going on on this particular song. Um, he's it's it's kind of a uh, a testament to Jimmy Page's avail- ability to layer song uh, layer guitars, and because it starts off so it's what is it? It's almost like four minutes before uh, Robert Plant comes in to, to sing. Um, but you can just really hear what Jimmy Page is so good at doing there's six string string guitars going on there's 12 string guitars going on actually the opening riff is a uh, 12 string guitar and then there's acoustic guitars going in there and there's guitars buried in the mix it's just a it's a i i this is one of my favorite songs that they do but it's just it's a like i said it's a very tour de force for jimmy page's ability to well if he had to go from a 12 string to a six string guitar in concert what would he do (laughs) he would be playing a double neck he'd play that that uh looks like an es or badass double neck he's playing that's the uh, guitar that's the guitar made famous by stairway to heaven i believe yeah um you know uh uh, this was originally an instrumental with right, no called lyrics. The overture. Well, it was called a couple of things. It, they settled on the overture, but when they were touring in Japan, they introduced it alternatively as the campaign, hmm. the overture, or just sometimes they called it Zep. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was supposed to be an introduction to the next song, the Rain song, and then um, somebody Plant Plant talks about how this uh happened a lot where somebody would go oh you need some we need some lyrics and then he would go off and write them yeah this yeah. is a, the bass playing on this is incredible also is incredible but it's not it. in the pocket it is not in the pocket that is it's, true it's that kind of bass playing i like like which is melodic it's kind of almost playing its own tune you could sing yeah. along with it um the other interesting thing about this song is that plants vocals are sped up yep and if you and listen, it almost sounds like a little bit uh, towards the end. It sounds like he's a little bit helium. Field. It is, and if you listen to the live version of this, you can really tell the difference between the vocals. I'm not sure why. I don't know. I, I wasn't able to find out if it was because I think they he was sped up the whole song. But they they did that a lot in the 70s. You know, you were talking about um, uh, the band kind of bringing stuff to the to the. The, or people in the band bringing stuff to the band fully formed and yeah. the, on this album that being a little bit different. So I, I know that one of the things that the engineer Eddie Kramer talks about is that I think John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page had a studio in their house at this point. And Jimmy Page, this is a song, he brought this to them. I Outside of the lyrics, it had... Um, it had all the melody. I think it even might have had the vocal tune, even though there weren't lyrics to it. Really? Um, yeah, and it was called uh, Worcester and the Plumpton Races, <laughs> which was uh, which I think were one of them was Page's house, the name of Page's house, and the other one was the name of Plant's house. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie, so let's just take a minute to talk about the the engine. We haven't talked about this guy yet. Eddie Kramer. Eddie Kramer. Yeah. Um, he is a legend in, uh, well, what, in the studio. What did he do that was particularly interesting? Well, he was the first person to record Jimi Hendrix. No, the two of them designed Electric, Electric Ladyland. Lady Land, that's right. That's oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about Yeah. So this guy was instrumental in helping to design a studio that 
Yeah. You know, that is, is infamous and famous, you know? Yeah. And if you ever want to just, there's a uh, documentary on the making of the song, the, the album Electric Ladyland, and Eddie Kramer is featured in it. Well, if you th- if you think about this, he joined Zeppelin on the second album and on the third album. The yeah. reason he's not on the fourth album was when they were recording the third album at Electric Ladyland, someone spilled some curry on the floor, <laughs> and he asked the roadies to clean it up, and Zeppelin freaked out, like, you don't order our roadies, blah, blah, and Paige. Paige really? seems a little bit like kind of a jerk in a yeah. lot of ways, and so they didn't talk for a really long time. But I think Paige, as as great as Zeppelin Four was, I think Paige realized he needed Eddie Kramer. I mean, he's yeah. the de facto producer on all these albums, right? But Eddie Kramer is instrumental to the sound of these albums. Oh yeah, and he's everything he touches is is pretty much gold. Just that he is a, a remarkable guy, and if, even even his history is pretty remarkable he's was born in south africa his parents were in the apartheid movement even though they were white he lived in england for a long time moved to new york and then he moved to new york and i think he has like three passports huh so he's he's a and if you ever hear him talk he doesn't sound he sounds american yeah fascinating guy just if you ever you guys want to there should be a documentary made about him He's just recorded. He's been on so many albums. Well, he's just another one of those guys that I think uh, people tend to, um, you know, goofy nerd guys like us appreciate, but people mm-hmm. don't realize that there's guys like that that are the albums that people love are are great because of guys like yeah. that. Right? They make yeah. a huge contribution. Uh, yeah. We had one listener say that uh, when we started talking about a particular producer. That's all my favorite albums. We're <laughs> yeah. all by the same producer. Yeah. 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 Well, up next, we have the Rain Song. J.M.? This guitar is tuned strangely. It's D G C G C E. I don't know what that's called. Is I don't know what it's called either. It doesn't really make any sense. And and my uh, son came into my room the other day. Well, I was actually working, but I was in. I had a guitar in the in the office, and he was messing around with it. And he tuned it to that, and he played the rain song for me. I was like, "What in the?" So yeah, it's a very very strange tuning, um, but you can play almost the whole song in that tuning. Do you do you know who's responsible for this song? I do not. George Harrison. Oh yeah, George Harrison said that Led Zeppelin never does a ballad. Right, and so Paige said, "Do you want a ballad? I'll give you one." And actually, uh, Paige insists, and I'm and I'm not uh, attuned enough to pick this up. That the first couple of chords in the song are actually it's, from something. Yeah, you can, you can hear that easily. Easily, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so uh, and this is of course the song with the mellotron just dripping, dripping all, all over, over it. it. Yeah. And you, if you look at the, uh, this is something I learned just recently, like a couple of days ago. If you look at the credits, um, there's a piano that comes in throughout this. Originally, the, the liner notes were done 
It's not John Paul Jones playing the piano? No, it is. Oh. But the liner notes were done before they added the piano part to it. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's why he doesn't get credit for playing the piano. Oh, the piano part's great. Oh, I mean, everything he does it. on this song is great. And and I want to I want to just briefly talk about Plant's vocals on this song in I particular. So this is this is one of those songs where he does I don't know what you call it that he does that kind of um I I I don't know. It's um he does it on the beginning part of the next song too. It's this weird kind of um over, I mean, it's not over enunciation, but he does something that other people don't do, where he, he his words roll out of his mouth in, a, in an interesting way. Huh. Um, I I just lo- I love his this is probably this. it's probably my favorite vocal performance by him. Um, it's a beautiful and, song. Oh, it's just beautiful. It's my second favorite song by them. Uh, and another thing, it's like it's so weird because there are some dark chords yeah in this like that that slide that he does that 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 comes like that's not the most happy sounding thing in the world but then they just come in comes back and just being absolutely beautiful one of the most remarkable things about this song is how how um subdued bottom is on it. Yeah. <laughs> like how did they didn't get, come in how did like, they get him yeah. to, to kind of sit back and and not do what bottom does i mean he's able to do that and yeah. it and it adds it actually his lack of power adds power to the song yeah um the i i, I listened to this and uh i wondered did this make a bunch of their fans lose their minds they thought the Metal. Moody Blues had shown up at the studio uh, or something. Yeah, it, yeah. it's like this. I could see these guys going, they're doing elevator music. Yeah. I, I would imagine most people felt that. Well, even the opener, as complicated as isn't exactly like their other albums right. open. It's yeah. much different. Um, yeah, and I imagine, okay, you get that, you get the song remains the same, which is... And the uh, very next song. And then the next song is the Rain song. You're like, what in the world? Yeah, yeah. They've gone soft. But, but Zeppelin... Didn't shy. I mean, they they had ballads on their other uh, Battle of Evermore is not exactly a Tangerine, hard rocker. Yeah, uh, going to California. I mean, they you know uh, what is it the Thank You song that you couldn't yeah. get. I mean, so I, it's odd that people point to this album. Maybe it's because they're up until the last song. There's not really anything that's that rocks. Yeah, rocks, and I know? also think that you could say that they were a little bit more steeped in the technology that was going on. This was the one where. John Paul Jones started throwing out the synthesizers. He wasn't just playing the organ. Yeah. To me, Bonham and John Paul Jones is really shine on this on this album quite a bit. Uh, it's kind of like they're coming in like John Paul Jones is feeling his oats and able to do some more stuff, stretch well, out a bit. Page knew that this was going to be an issue when he brought this song to the band. It was called Slush because he's like, this the fans are not going to do this at all. <laughs> But he was showing Harrison a thing or two, I guess, or trying to. Yeah. Um, but it's another one. Where he, the guitars are just so layered on this, even at the very end, where you just think that there's only like one guitar. It's a, it's yeah. a it's a great song, and the Mellotron in it is perfect. Mm-hmm. The piano towards the end of it's perfect. Oh yeah. The plants vocals on it. I mean, everything about this song, except for maybe the lyrics, are great. <laughs> I like this song. I I enjoy it. Like Maybe it's not it? very uh, Zeppelin-y. Maybe that's why I like it. Yeah. Until the end, where we get the wow, wow, wow. <laughs> All right. Up next, I guess this is one of the three songs that I hear the most on the radio. Very attractive. Um, 
intro, I think. Oh, it's great. I, I think, love uh, intro. what's his face? Uh, um, Beato, Rick Beato. Yeah, Rick Beato put this in his uh, top 20 uh, openings of acoustic openings. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, what, a six and a 12 string? Yeah, so it starts of off on a six string and then the 12 string comes in. Yeah. And it, uh, it's. Uh, we're and talk, it's we're so talking much. about over the hills and far away. Yeah, it's this not is, about going to grandmother's house. <laughs> yeah, this is such a great song. I love this song. Um, it's it, it it was it's the first song on the album that they started from this album they started playing live. Right. It's also uh, in the same key as the last song, so it gave this sort mm-hmm. of continuity going on right. between the rain song and this song. This has always been one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. Um, there are there's a, a handful of Zeppelin songs that I find immensely fun to sing along with Mm -hmm. and this is one of those songs that is fun to sing to well you can't do it justice but it's fun to sing and you're in your car i know i talk about this a lot but i have that that's just me being in my car the windows down and when that when it kicks in after the acoustic bit and it and the guitar and the drums kick in the electric guitar and the drums kick in it's it's great yeah and I struggle with whether this song or the last song are the most Zeppelin-y songs on this album, but I think both of them can give it a run for its money. But, yeah, um, I might give the the last song the, the most Zeppelin-y, but this is one of those, it, like, Stairway to Heaven, that's probably the, the song that you learn on acoustic guitar that that is a Led Zeppelin song. The second song that you learn by Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin on, a, on acoustic guitar is this one, yeah. Even unless, though after a while it gets complete. This unless is you're one, me and I don't learn anything on acoustic guitar. <laughs> But this is one of those ones where it this almost is for teaching you pull-ons and hammer-ons. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song was the first single, I believe, released on this right? album. It hit number fifty-one on the Billboard Hot One Hundred. Um, I was going to just to try to get Bob Wills into this podcast. <laughs> talk, talk about how how often he mentions "Open Road." Because that was the name, that was the hat style that Bob Wills wore. But I decided that's from Stetson, ladies. I thought decided that was a stupid joke, but I still did get Bob Wills into the podcast. That's all right. Anything to get Bob in there. This sounds like a song that I was talking about earlier, like a hodgepodge. Like it's an amalgamation of different riffs, and they, they they put them together. To me, the thing that they do so well on this is they do come back to it, and they they do it so effortless effortlessly. There's, it's not as jarring as some of their I, other songs. I really but. dig the way this song ends too. Oh with yeah, the harpsichord, harpsichord and then the guitar, chord, that yeah. guitar bit over it that yeah. just kind of. I mean, that, it just that slide guitar. Oh, yeah. it's, it's really great. This well, is a this great is, song. There's three parts. Yeah, and this uh, this is interesting. There's not a chorus. The first part that's acoustic at first, and then. That acoustic guitar gets you all complacent. And oh, how nice. Yeah. Let's 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 trot down this little path. And then the whole band comes in and juxtaposed to the the gentle guitar. It really sounds cool when they come in. Yeah. And then they start playing the same thing. And then to me it seems like, okay, <laughs> we're stuck in this little this little deal. We don't have a chorus to go to, we don't have a bridge. We're yeah. stuck here. And then they come up that second Down part of the song and they stay in there for a while. And that's a nice relief. And that's fun. And he's able to do some stuff. 
And then they get kind of stuck in that, and they go to another part, and then they get back to the original part. Back to the part. original part, It's a right. strange um, construction. Yeah. yeah. You go to the dun-dun-dun part, and, and then you get the different kinds of guitars. You yeah. get just three pieces. It's like a suite. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't I, seem that way because they come right, back so right. well. It doesn't I, seem like that's one of the things I think it's so good about it. It's like I don't think they did it as well on other songs. Like if you listen to some of the stuff that came out on uh, Physical Graffiti, it just some uh, of the stuff just sounds like not. a mess. Yeah, um, uh, it's, I, it's an interesting construction. I couldn't I, think of another song that way. I, I don't want it to slide. You said something about fun. I do want to say that it does sound like this band is having a blast recording this album in yeah. a way that maybe they didn't. Well, Eddie Kramer stuff. said that there were songs where they were just, he could just see them dancing around. They were well, so, I think one in particular, yeah. when he played yeah. it back, when they were supposed to dance. Yeah, they were dancing in the background. Yeah. Speaking of dance. The next song is um, possibly not as well loved. <laughs> um, I, I The crunch. Cr- crunch. I, I assumed that they just, they the label missed play or like mistakenly put a u where an i was supposed to be on this song <laughs> he sure is a good friend I'm, i ain't gonna tell you where he comes from but if i tell you you won't come again oh, hey <laughs> this song sucks i'm I sorry i do not think it sucks i hate this song and I, I used to not like it but I have grown to actually. Love you and it. John Paul Jones. Yeah, this was uh, actually what I heard was <laughs> John Bonham and John Paul Jones were actually trying to come up with something that was like a James Brown funk riff, but uh, like, yeah, <laughs> just a but, little. But John Bonham purposely was messing with the drum beat so you could not actually dance to it. It's a nine eight time. Yeah, it's in a weird ass time. And they, you know, and this song was supposed to be a joke song that I think went too far. They were actually going to print the cover of it was going to be the right. dance steps to the the right. imaginary <laughs> dance song, the, <laughs> the, the the crunge. Yeah, uh, I think I think this is one of the few times Plant's vocals are god awful. I um, agree with well, you. There. And I, he's isn't he trying to sound? He's trying to sound like James Brown. It's it's terrible. I oh. think this song is terrible. I um I, I love the synthesizer part in it. I I I, I, I sat and uh, wondered if maybe they had used real horns if that might have helped some instead of keyboards. I don't think it would have helped. I I, I tell you what, the first thing to do is to get rid of the singer. Yeah, yeah. he can't do this. No, no. I can't. I, I didn't think there was a thing he couldn't do. No, this is but it. This is it. This is not good. Yeah, um, this is he. The vocals are not good. And it's, but it does have a sense of humor to it where he's looking, I'm looking for the There's bridge. There's no bridge. There's no bridge. There's no right. bridge. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't well, know. Luckily, it's short. It's the shortest uh, song on the album, I think. It's, it's, it's three minutes and 17 seconds. It's three minutes and 17 seconds too long, in my opinion. Yeah. They, you know, they didn't put the title track on this album. They didn't put Houses of the Holy on this album because it sounded too much like Dancing Days. Yeah. Why couldn't they just? I would have rather heard Houses of the Holy than the Crunge. I'll agree with you. I, any day of the week. Yeah. The important thing when you're doing a novelty song or something funny is to remember that in a concert, they have to hear it once and it's, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. that was, that's like James Brown. That's funny. But when it's an album, 
That you means it's going to come back right. over and over, yeah. and it's not going to get funnier. And they end the side with this song. Yeah. The um, You know, they did play this live routinely. They would play they it did. in the middle of Dazed and Confused. It was a little little jam yeah. jokey section in the that middle. That was probably something to get the non-fans out the door. I, I just don't, I can't say enough about how much I want to skip this song. I just love on. the bass part in it, and I love the drums in it. So. I, I don't disagree that musically there's some interesting stuff going on, but Plant's vocals are so oh, atrocious. Yeah. I know, um, they are. This is not That his. it's it's yep. unlistenable. Right. Then uh, that's got to be hard to play on the drums. I can't even fathom how you, I can't even fathom how you play the bass on it. So, yeah, it's not saying a lot about my musical ability. Um, we got another weird tune in here on side um, two. Yeah, we flipped over, didn't we? We did. We did. We flippy, and uh, we got off the undanceable tune to Dancing Days. Which is uh, supposed to be a very danceable tune. Uh, if it's not two-stepping, though, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this is the song that two two things. This is a song that kept the title track off the album, which is odd. Why wouldn't you put the title track on and keep this one off? They yeah. do sound extremely. They do similar. sound very similar. Um, and and it's also the song that Eddie Kramer says when he played it back right. um, when they were at Stargroves, which we didn't talk about, yeah. which was the which was. Uh, um, that where they recorded a lot of this with the Rolling Stones. It was yeah, it was Mick uh, Jagger's house. house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had this this um, uh, remote truck studio. Yeah, where that's he was their doing famous for their remote truck. And uh, and he would open the doors on the van and play this back, and the band would be out there dancing around to Dancing Days. They would, they loved it. Yeah. Um, that uh, studio's know, been. I mean, that mobile truck's been used a lot. I, I this is an interesting song because. Um, again, Plant's vocals are a little odd on this because they're very restrained. They're not, um, which is, I guess, what the song needs, well, maybe. Aren't but... they trying to be nostalgia and talk about uh, or do it a tribute to music of days gone by well, or something? Like, I've got my flower. I've got my power. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just... It doesn't sound like anything else, I, and if they're trying to do that, it's lost on me. Yeah. It's not a bad song. I it's love just, this song. It's not. It's not. Uh, I, I wouldn't rank it in my top third of the album, but it's not definitely not dragging on the bottom either. I, I definitely get tired of that little lick he plays over and over again. Well, do you like do you like Houses of the Holy? Because that lick is very <laughs> <I know>. similar. <laughs> it is, but to me, this is. His best guitar work on the album. Yeah, and it's... It's uh, clean. I'd say it's almost like sneering. Yeah. It's got a sneering quality to it. Yeah. And it just kind of isn't... It's just in this loop throughout the song. Again, I don't don't skip the song. I don't mind it. It's not one that grabs me like some of the other ones on it. Well, some of the guitar, but but some of the harmony parts that he's doing when he's doing those slides are just amazing. And And if you hear them... You're listening to it with headphones, with the way that it goes from one side to the other. That, it's just I want to talk about that briefly. Zeppelin does that more than any other band on the planet, where they will use the different um, channels. Channels, yeah. Um, it, and you like "Stairway to Heaven" is a prime example. Plant singing in one, like without any instrumentation in one channel, and all the guitar, the acoustic guitars in the other channel. Yeah. And th- there's a couple of songs on this album where that happens. Where well, they were at the period of time where that was 
That was cool. That was, that was cool. a big deal. Yeah. Well, the, also they didn't have there was there were the Beatles at when they were recording their albums, they had if you wanted to do something in stereo, you had to have something in one ear or you had to have right. something in the other ear. Right. You could, or it would have to be mono. So that's why so many of the mixes were mono. And I'll tell you what: if you ever go somewhere and they, they're, yeah, they play a mono or one of their tracks is out, yeah, you notice it right away because someone's whole voice drops out, yeah. or you're waiting for a lead and it's gone. Yeah, yeah. it is weird. But I, I was, I, I meant, to, it was in my notes. I meant to mention that Zeppelin was they embraced that mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. <laughs> and you know, uh, nowadays. Kids don't even listen to stereo anymore. Yeah. They may have headphones and they get stereo that way, but usually they just listen to some uh, Bluetooth single speaker. And yeah. To cons- I mean, when I remember, we would have had such contempt for that oh, when I God. was young. I remember having a girlfriend. She had a speaker blown, and I'd go over to her house, and she would listen to something, and, and I could not stand it. Yeah, I um I had a channel blown on my receiver for a little while, and it, I I couldn't. I was like, I tried to listen. I was like, I got to get this damn thing fixed. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, you should have been born nowadays, where you just didn't listen care. to compressed music yeah. on one tiny little speaker, and you think, oh, this is cool. Of course, they're not listening to music; they're listening to people talking. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. This is uh. Dermaker, Jermaker. Jermaker, the most mispronounced song in yeah, and U.S. I did it, I did it history. Well, I think we all probably, I mean, maybe Doug didn't, but uh, prior to well, me doing... Because that's the way I say Jermaker. Prior to me doing research on this, I always, I called it Dire Maker, too. I didn't call it, I mean, it's based on a stupid joke. There was a, like an old vaudeville type really? thing in England where the guy was, these two guys are on stage and one of them says, oh, my wife's going to the Carib- uh, going to the Caribbean. And he's like, Jamaica? He's like, no, no, she's going, she's going on her own volition. That was, but um bum the joke. Um, so they thought, oh, well, this is a jokey song. Let's give it a jokey title. Again, uh, much more listenable than The Crunch, but not a song I particularly care for. Suppose- I, I think it's, uh, I enjoy it. And I like it. I hate British bands doing reggae. Well, we, how, many, how many bands have we talked about? They that all, have, done all this? have to do Well, a you know, supposedly. They pulled off something new here. Well, supposedly. John Paul Jones hated this song. Everybody but Plant hated this song. Everybody but, yeah. John uh, John Bonham hated reggae. Absolutely. So he was trying everything. He was trying as hard as he possibly could to not make it sound like a yeah. reggae song. That's why, he plays, that's why same, he plays it. that same shuffle beat in it because he hated playing reggae. And yeah. he's like, I'm not going to play this. Um, Plant wanted them to release it as a single in the UK. They were like Floyd in the sense that they did not release singles in the UK. Yeah. America they did and of course this was re- you know what this was re- you know what the B side to this was when it was released? The no. Grunge. I mean I'm sorry, <laughs> the Crunch. I want to say the Grunge. So this was released as a single and it was it was a top 20 single. In the U.S., I song. think it's very attractive. I think it's very. I love the piano part. I think it's it. actualized I, pretty well. I do too. Well, and, and I, it it gets far enough from reggae where yeah. you could almost give them credit for coming up with something new. Right. It reminds me of Van Morrison when he poorly sounds, imitates. 
he so poorly imitates something, he invents something. It sounds like it reminds me a little too much of, and, and I, for some reason, I don't mind Blondie. this when she does it. It's a, it sounds like Blondie's version of reggae, yeah, I but I like so too. Yeah, I, I like the Blondie so. reggae. It's not my favorite song. I don't skip it. I'll listen to it. Uh, yeah, and like, it was it was ubiquitous look, on the radio. I look forward to it. When it uh, when I don't it's look coming. forward to it, but I uh, think it's. I, I understand why Robert Plant likes it because. He it's gets, perfect for his, his voice. His voice is amazing. On well, this. the one the, the, he gets to do a lot of ah, the, the, oh, oh, the two oh, things oh. about this song in particular that Plant talks about is he said one, it was done at five a.m. in the morning. They had just laid down the song "Remains the Same," which he said was it's just a hard song for him to sing, and he wanted to do something a little more lighthearted, and huh. this was the perfect time to do it. So they, that's when this song was recorded. And uh, and as we've talked about, the rest of the band hated it and didn't want to release it as a single. The other thing was, it's not just reggae, and this may be one of the things that makes it. They're trying to combine reggae with like sixties doo sixties yeah. fifties yep. doo wop yeah. stuff, and so it's a, a conglomeration of those two types of music. Well, it's, it's very <laughs> interesting, and I think it would have sounded that way had it not been for how heavy. Oh yeah, he's pounding, uh, the, he's pounding the crap drum, out of the yeah. drums. There's, there, there's no coasters in that, you know. Um, yeah, the, you know what the big problem that Paul, John Paul Jones had with this song is not so much the song as he didn't think it was well thought out. Yeah. He thought it was just kind of thrown together right. and that it didn't work. But I think all the reasons why you guys like it is why he doesn't. Right. So, Well, I'm sure he'll be upset to find out he was wrong. <laughs> um, no quarter. You know what that means, Tony? Uh, yes, that's when uh, you're when a, an army or somebody is in battle, and somebody says, "You know, was it issue no quarter?" You just fight. You don't even if somebody is uh, what's the word uh, waving a white flag, surrendering. You still you don't give up. You take them to the end. You run them through. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I thought it was when you couldn't play pinball anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, I love this song. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Why? I love this song. This song is so proggy. Why wouldn't I love it's it? It's the most rushy, isn't it? It this is, is the most this rushy. This is the yeah. proggiest song on the album. Why wouldn't I love it? Plant's vocals are so weird. They're they're it. spooky. Yeah. There's that that, that that thing I like that he the thing I like it's a different effect than what he did on the first album. But one of the things I love about when you listen to Dazed and Confused. It's a his vo vocals are spooky on that song, yeah, and they're spooky on this song. But it's it's a it's a um, it's an effect on it. Well, the whole um, song is compressed in the high end, and it's like everything is in the same uh, frequency almost. And this is John Paul Jones, in my opinion, this is a masterpiece. Well, you he know, loves it. he wanted to do that. You know, been this working was, on this song for a yeah, long. Yeah, they recorded they laid da laid it down for Zeppelin Four, and right. it just wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and this was played, I think this was maybe the one song played more than any other song they ever did live. I think it was played... Uh, Cashmere and this one, I think. I think, uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, there, um, you can see where both of those songs are related, but I think this song works so much better than Cashmere. Um, well, he's. this is the one where he got to take a a extended piano solo yeah. in the middle of it. And there's video of it up on YouTube. Uh, where he is a phenomenal piano player. I mean, he's not like 
a classical well, piano player. But. It's funny you say that because I have a quote here from Rolling Stone magazine at the time of the, <laughs> this issue, and it says, No quarter and the rain song was nothing more than drawn out vehicles for the further display of Jones' unknowledgeable use of Mellotron and synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> How wrong could you How be? How wrong can you be? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, this was played from 73 to 79. This was also one of the first songs where they started doing effects on stage. So they did dry eye, did dry eye thing where fog would, you know, the whole, oh, yeah. vinyl, uh, spinal, I said vinyl tap, but the whole spinal tappy. <laughs> uh, uh, um, Coming out of pods. Yeah. Did they get the measurements on uh, Stonehenge? Stonehenge, right? right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this song I I never get tired of hit, hearing this song. I love it. I love the guitar playing on it. Um, it it's seven minutes long and it does not feel that feel way that to way. me. You're right. Page um, used a Vera speed on this to drop the whole thing down a semitone. I I don't know what that means. I think what it means is there's a you have a thing that you would could sing into that would you would sing into a tape. What would actually come out, you could just uh, either make the speeds higher or lower, okay. faster or slower. So it's like, is it like that slide, it's rudimentary, kinda, like that slide on an, on a, on a turntable? Yeah. You, the pitch control thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But it, but it's, so your vocals are taped mm-hmm. and that's what comes out. Okay. And, um, it's basically like tape delays with, uh, reverb, reverb, what they call them reverb delays where you would record it and that's where you would get those back in the old days. That's how you would do the, the echo effect hmm. stuff. But anyway, it's, it's about some sort of incident from Viking mythology. Yeah. I have no idea. I just, uh, when you, when you do your intro and you say the, win, <laughs> the winds of Thor are blowing cold just, again, I, I love, I love this band and I love, Plants singing, but their vocals, I mean, their Your lyrics, book, their lyrics are really, they, they're not good. Yep. And uh, they don't hold up to discernment. They do not. I, I, I think uh, stuff like this has been held up uh, to ridicule, to good effect by a lot of comedians. <laughs> well, n- namely our namesake. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if 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 Stonehenge isn't a knock on this song or songs <laughs> or like song, it, and, and what, what I think these guys took their finger out of the dike for all this kind of nonsense, yeah. and everybody else said, "Oh, we need to do a mythology song." <laughs> no, I think all. you're right. I think you're so, right. Like, even a band called Saga. I mean, yeah. You know. But you know, they always do Norse mythology. You don't hear uh, Greek mythology in any of these guys. <laughs> Which well, well look temples at, of Syrix or look at look at Plant. I mean, he looks like he's you know. Yeah. It's uh, very interesting things that happened here. I I'm and curious. I can see myself uh, frequently not listening to I was, this yeah, in I was the cu- future. I was curious what you thought of this song, Doug. This does not sound like a Doug song. I, it's one of those things that this is interesting. Um, how do they do that? There's some clever stuff here, and. Uh, Move along. <laughs> After my curiosity is satisfied, there's nothing there for me. Gotcha. How about the ocean, guys? The closer. It's a great closer. 
I it, think exactly. It sounds so. very Zeppelin-y. Yeah, this uh, again, as I was saying, I'm not sure if this or um, "Over the Hills" is the most Zeppelin-y song. I think it's but, the most Zeppelin-y song. But this on one is this is, mm, yeah. It's got Robert Plant singing in his most Zeppelin-y voice, and it's got a, it's got a page playing a very Zeppelin-y yeah. lick, and the drums sound very Zeppelin-y. Well, and they're. And the song is partially in septuple meter. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a tough, tough song. It's, I think the the openings in seven eight, and just his his use of the uh, kick drum on this is just it is unbelievable. It is the best air drumming song on the album. <laughs> Speaking as someone who yeah, but even play if a real we, instrument, we, even we've been forgetting to uh, to do that on our last episodes. Yeah, declare the most air drumming. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a tough song to even air drum to. It is. It, it's a tough song. Even uh, though, like, and this was trying to play imagine if to you it. were roller skating backwards trying to air drum to this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> this is about the ocean, is what I mean. It's inspired by the their crowd, fans, their yeah. fans, and so singing to an ocean, they can hear the ocean roar. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty in case good. anybody forgot that they were the biggest band in the world. Yeah, we have this song to remind you exactly. And and just to, because it's making me think about it, houses of the holy. Is is based on what they called their where they played, huh. where the fans could come and partake in the oh, sacrament okay. of Zeppelin, so the houses beautiful. of the Holy. <laughs> that is so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> thank you for loading up Spinal Tap. Yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about um, cashmere in in relation to um, No Quarter, I, I feel like there's a kinship between this and the Immigrant Song. Yeah. I can For see some that. reason, I, uh, they've always sort of semi reminded me of each other, and I Except, don't know why. Uh, this one seems to be a lot more fun than the immigrant. Oh song. yeah, no, I get that, and I love the the little middle part yeah. with the harmony with Bon. I guess yeah. it's Bonham, it's Bonham Jones, Jones, and Plant. And Plant, yeah, yeah that la la na na. It's na, so na, buried na. in the mix too. Like, yeah, like you're, I remember driving one time. Going, what the hell happened to the song? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have brought to you a Led Zeppelin album. This album was not released in a brown paper bag like some of their albums. <laughs> this album had an extraordinary cover. Uh, well, it actually was released in a brown paper bag. In some places, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think that came later. Uh, in the South. When they said it was, uh, Zeppelin was so hyped, they eventually said, okay, we'll put it out. In the- well, I think the issue with the with the brown cover was the same issue that um, we had with uh with Wish You Were Here, Zeppelin didn't want their name on it because they thought it would sully the image. So how are you going to get your name on the album cover if you don't put a sticker on it someplace? Well, anyway, Tony, tell us about this cover. So bringing, oddly enough, bringing up um, Pink Floyd, this was this was an album done by um, uh, uh, Hypnosis. Hypnosis, which did all of the Pink Floyd albums up until The Wall and um, the final cut. Then they went back and did Momentary Lapse Reason and the other ones. It's got a pretty interesting story. Evidently, Plant saw a Hypnosis cover for a Wishbone Ash album called Argus. They 
get hypnosis to agree to do it. Um, Storm Ferguson, who was the main guy who did most of their artwork, uh, shows up to a band meeting with his idea, which is a bright green tennis court with a racket on it. And then he explains it's a visual pun, meaning that their music is a racket and plant immediately. I mean, Paige immediately freaks out and fires him. So we don't, (laughs) that's, you know, BS, get out of here. Are you calling our music again? A little humorless, old Jimmy Page. Yeah. So they end up going still, to. That doesn't seem like a smart business. Move. I agree, yeah. but they uh, they end up going to Th- uh, Thurgerson's uh, Thurgerson's partner Aubrey Poe, um, and uh, he had a couple ideas. One of them, which I think is interesting, just because I think it was utilized later for by Led Zeppelin, was to carve their Zoso symbols, uh, like the the uh, Nazca lines in Peru. And I'm pretty sure that was used later on by the band, that image or that idea. Mm-hmm. But what he did instead was he um, he was inspired by an Arthur C. Clarke um, novel from 1953 called Childhood Childhood's End. And fantastic uh, book, by the way. Yeah, where this uh, I guess this I've not read it, but it's about these aliens called the Overlords who come down and uh, create a utopia on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the album was uh was a, a collage of several photographs that um he took on the giant's causeway in northern ireland um which is this rock formation that's pretty fascinating if you look it up yeah um and it features two blonde young naked kids who were siblings stefan and samantha gates and they're scaling these basalt columns in the causeway and it wasn't a very easy album uh, cover to make it took 10 days to shoot the Jeez. lighting was horrible in it they were, na- were never really able to capture what they wanted to do the plan was for the kids to be kind of tinted gold and silver and look otherworldly but because of the clouds in the sky they just came out as gray and washed out so um they shot the album in monochrome and then they hand tinted it to create that orange luminescence that's mm-hmm. on the album cover mm-hmm. it took two months and delayed the album's release by two months because <laughs> of that yeah <laughs> Um, but the the funny thing is, uh, when he showed the uh, cover to the band, it was after a Zeppelin concert. He's he pulls it out, he opens his trunk and pulls the album cover out, and there's about he said there's about 200 people gathered around his trunk, and they all broke out in applause when they saw it. So, um, yeah, it's it's iconic. I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> it's iconic. I think it's a fantastic album cover. Um, it is the first one not to have to be named after the, the band. It's the first one that you know yeah. has as a holy, it, but it doesn't say that anywhere on it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I just I think it's fantastic. If you look at the interior cover, uh, yeah, it's like somebody holding a yeah. guitar up. To... No, it's a kid. Is that right? He's holding up one of the kids above his head, like oh, some wow. weird sacrificial. Yeah, uh, you know, it kind of plays into Jimmy That's Page. Nasty. It's uh, kind of in, plays into Jimmy yeah. Page's occult stuff yeah. um, to a certain extent, um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's a very cool album cover. Um, I think it was myself. yeah, I, I do too. It was nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't win. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, I think I think Hypnosis ends up doing. Like the rest of their albums, I think. I don't know. I think. I yeah, know he did. Pre- I know he presence, did. I think, is that that weird, yeah. whatever that symbol is. And in that presence, it has that bizarre thing on the 
table with the family standing. Is that presence? Yeah, that's that, presence. Yeah. And then the um, one after that, um, into the outdoor, into the outdoor, where the guys sitting trying to Which light. We something won't go on fire. into what that name of that album means, but um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I, you know, the, the whole package is a little odd, um, but again, I like it. I think it's good. Um, but there's that. Well, JM. Yep. Well, thank you very much. Just uh, haven't had a XTC uh, album experience in a while. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be one of our most popular ones, uh, without a doubt. And then I will be proved the outlier once again. Uh, well, as all of y'all know, we uh, we end up giving these albums a rating. We have two ratings. One is personally, how do you like the album? The other is strictly as a critic without giving any regard whatsoever to your taste. How do you like the album? We're going to start with Tony because Tony didn't pick it and Tony's not the host. Tony, tell me about this record. Well, I'm going to give it critically a four. Um, I think that uh, regardless of what the critics said at the time, um, this album did a lot of things that other people weren't doing and did it right. I think it's uh, it, it's um, a, a bit of a challenge for people um, who came from the first four Zeppelin albums in a good way. Um, I think uh, Plant's vocals on it are great. I, the whole John Paul Jones and what he does with the bass and the keys on this album are spectacular. As a critic, I th- I would give it. I definitely give it a solid four. As as whether or not I would listen to it, I give it a three eight. Uh, there are two of the eight songs on this album that um, aren't great. One of them, I believe, outright stinks. Um, so when you're dealing with that low of a number and uh, you got a 75%, I think it's doesn't technically deserve a four. There are a couple of things I want to say about that, though. There are songs on this album I will listen to again, but that's not what we're rating. We're rating the album as a whole. But... I am surprised how much this album wet my appetite to go back and start diving into Zeppelin a little bit more. I can't say I'm going to go back to where I was, but I am definitely going to go back and listen to some, I'm going to get the, I'm going to start getting the lead out a little bit again, <laughs> as they say. Very good. Well, I'll ask myself now because, uh, we're going to save the picker for last. I, I think this is probably a, uh, four, three as a critic. There's a lot of innovation on this album. There's extremely uh, talented musicians all over it. Robert Plant is a amazing singer. Uh, all of that <laughs> doesn't matter for my... Uh, <laughs> I'd give it a three um, as far as my taste. Uh, and I'm going to fully confess that I'm the broken one in this relationship. Uh, Led Zeppelin's doing everything right. I'm just not digging it. And one of these days, it will be revealed to me what the problem is. But that's how I feel. Uh, Jonathan J.M. Rowe, you picked this record. Yep. All right. So I'm going to go with my critic rating. I'm going to agree with you, Doug. I'm going to give it a 4-3. There is nothing wrong with this album other than... Robert Plant's vocals on one song and just the lyrics are just inane. And well, that could be it, said about any Zeppelin album. I know, yeah. Um, so Can't that's why I never could give Red Led Zeppelin a, a very high marks 
um, or the highest marks I could give. Uh, my personal rating, this is going to surprise y'all. I'm going to give it a four. Um, I did enjoy listening to this album. But unlike you, Tony, I think that this album made me not want to listen to other Led Zeppelin albums. Um, there are things on uh, physical graffiti that I like quite a bit, uh, that but I can't get through that album at all. And I'm just trying to think of a, a Led Zeppelin album that I would like to listen to all the way through. And this is the only one that comes to my head, mm-hmm. besides Led Zeppelin Three, which is my... But that that's almost an anomaly album to me. But anyway, I think it's a fine album. But uh, and I I agree with everything you guys have said. I think this is Robert Plant's best vocal performance, and I think it's also or, or a time where John Bonham and John Paul Jones really got to shine. And I really appreciated Jimmy Page's guitar playing and showing some restraint and not just trying to be a guitar god the whole time for the benefit of the young folk out there we we turn to our own youngster tony uh do you have a recommendation for the kids out there tonight i do uh i'm going to recommend an album uh by a band uh that came out in march of 2020 so just right before the world shut down yeah because of covid it's a band called rookie from chicago uh, the album is called Ricky. Uh, there, it was released on Bloodshot Records. Bloodshot Records is a bit of limbo right now. I'm not sure if they're going to continue or not, but um, this album was released on Bloodshot. Um, it's got crunchy, loud guitars. The songs are tuneful. It's not power pop. It's rock and roll, but it's it's got elements of power pop in, this, in the same way that the like, Cheap Trick the rock in us cheap trick does. Wow. That sounds All cool. right. I like that. Uh, standouts to me would be the, the first song on the album, Hold On Tight. Way tickets also great. Miss Miss United States is great. It's a perfect blend of old school rock and roll that is inspired, but what by what came before it without being derivative to me. It's really so, really good. So uh, hold on tight. Are they covering a ELO song? No. Is that why you like it? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Tony, thank you very much. Uh, yep. I want to say a little thing about uh, our listeners. In the last seven days, uh, Cal- uh, Los Angeles. You know where that is, Tony? I do. It's in California. It's in California. Los California. It's uh, it's the number three most listening to us city uh, over the last week. Huh. And I would like to say thank you to all the people of Los Angeles Thanks, for Pat. listening to us. And I would also <laughs> like to thank uh, the people of Los Angeles for not moving to Austin and pushing up our property taxes. No, we're doing that on our own. <laughs> yeah, we're doing that. Well, we've had help from them. Uh and then we continue to get a lot of support from our friends in Alberta. Thank you, Alberta. And I don't know if that's just because we did Neil Young, but uh, <laughs> we are getting a lot of support from Alberta, the Texas of Canada. 
we haven't stressed this enough, but um, we really appreciate everyone listening. It would be great if you guys feel the desire to go on and type up a couple of words of recommendations and, and rate us because that gives other people an idea yep. about what we're doing. Uh, and if you know people that enjoy the LP format, please let them know about this podcast. Yeah, spread the word. We're uh, we're having fun, and we hope people are having fun listening to us. So. Yep. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of This is Vinyl Tap. Uh, as we were saying, you can uh, get in contact with us. Leave us a couple of words. You can send us an email at tappingvinyl at gmail.com or visit our Facebook group page. Or you can leave us a review wherever you download this podcast. We'd love to know what you think. Leave us a few stars. And no, know, not a few. <laughs> we would like at least four. Lots and lots. We prefer five. Be more generous than we are. Yeah. <laughs> And finally, please visit our website where you can contact us and let us know what you think. And you'll also find all sorts of good stuff up there. Excellent content. Excellent content. Stuff you won't find anywhere else, including links to past episodes, videos. Cool, cool videos. We're going to have some old songs from Plant prior to Zeppelin, so check That'd those cool. out. That would be Very cool. Good. News clippings, links to recommendations we've made, all sorts of good stuff up there. Next week, we're going to be looking at an album by a band you know, but an album you might not. Fleetwood Mac's Bear Trees. host Doug Cooper, our co-host Tony Slagle, and me, your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe. This is Vinyl Tap, where all the podcasts go to 11. And remember, la 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 And that's why I've traveled far Cause I come so together Standing alone with a tadpole in a jar. <laughs> what the hell does he think he's saying? Two. Tonight on This Is Vinyl Tap. Okay. That was a horrible face. <laughs> that was my don't make noise face when something's so ridiculous. All right. <laughs> don't think and don't make noise. In five, four, three, two. Tonight on This Is Vinyl Tap. Take Five. three. <laughs> three, two.
You know what you're, we're going to have to do now before Dude, we do the, the next end. one? We'll have to go, we've done four already, but now we're steady. And they went one, two, three, four. And then you can go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Five, four, three, two. Tonight on This is Vinyl Tap, a lion. <laughs> Let's just go, and we'll do that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe something sad will happen. All right. <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> a lion with a tadpole in a jar. <laughs> what song is that from? Isn't that the dance one? The little dance number? Oh, Dyer Maker? Or no, oh, Dancing that, Days. Yeah, it's that's not how days. that's pronounced. Yeah, don't say dire maker. I don't know how that you it's say it. It's Jamaica. Oh, that's right. Sounds like a Texan, but they think they're making fun of uh, L- Londoners. Yeah. But it sounds like what? Jamaica. You're going to go to Jamaica, get yourself some reefer at Jamaica. You be careful over there. <laughs> <laughs>